Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arsketting coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to give some updates on obviously the primary elections from last night in Alaska and Wyoming as we're seeing the fields be dwindled down to just a few candidates. And now the decision comes for most voters in not only these areas, but in other areas around the country of who to vote for going forward. Can they unite? And so we want to look at that. But first, we want to build upon our foundation of Scripture in our study of reordering our day and, and focus on today of establishing the Lord as our vic- as the victor over our lives. And we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 15, as we've gone through this several times. I'm going to go back through this again. And I want to read um, the portion of this and, and highlight um, verse 57. But let's first pull this up and go through it. So we start again. Just Paul here is talking to the Corinthian church about different aspects of the resurrection. He goes through in the beginning of talking about some of the facts about Christ's resurrection as it's titled in a New American Standard and then goes through the order of the resurrection and then really the mystery uh, of the resurrection, which is this section here. And again, he says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. And this is what we want to do today. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through this, we want to look at is okay, through all of this, we see, as here, we study throughout Scripture, Revelations, everything, that the Lord is the victor, that Jesus is the victor. And because of his resurrect, death and resurrection, on the cross for sins of giving us the grace of covering us his blood. We want to, uh, number one, exalt Jesus as ruler over our life, um, for our vision, for our city and our nation, and establish him as victor and declare that he is victor over our lives and really shift our focus from 
the worries of this world. Battle's not in flesh and blood, but but of the spirit. And so we want to focus in on saying, okay, Lord, no matter what the situation is in my life, in, in, in my personal vision, in my city, in my state, in my nation, my neighborhood, wherever it may be that you have involvement and relationship with, is this just declare him as victor over that and, and go to him, renew our minds, seeking the perfect, um, pleasurable and good will of the Lord so that we can walk out uh, the destiny that he has written about us before we were even in our mother's womb. And, and so we just want to establish that here today as the Lord is victor over our lives in staying focused on his plans for not only our lives, but this nation. Okay, so after building upon this foundation in Scripture, we want to start looking at the news. We'll look at some results of the primary elections from last night, as obviously the big one is Liz Cheney was uh, pretty much obliterated. And the, the big thing here now is can the Republicans in some of these areas come together. So in Alaska, you have the Senate primary where um, Murkowski is going to go forward. Um, the Dim, Dim uh, Patricia Chesbro goes forward and, and the, the vote there. And Alaska is, is hard red. Um, so of no surprise there of the differential between the votes. Um, even in the um, special election of the House with Sarah Palin, uh, you have if 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 all can come together and vote together, Sarah Palin can, can come out of this ahead. Um, the governor's race as well. Uh, Mike Dunleavy again uh, leading the position there as there is a, a three candidate runoff there. Um, and and the question becomes is is in these runoffs here in the, in the House and in the Senate, will will the Republicans come together? Now in Wyoming, we see the vote difference here of the Democratic primary versus the Republican primary, where you have the top candidate in in the Democratic primary getting only forty four hundred votes, almost forty five hundred votes. Um, and that's the leading candidate out of 7,000 votes in the Democratic primary. N not surprising, as Wyoming is very rural, and rural counties tend to be more Republican because um, they're more independent and they can't re most necessarily rely upon the government. And then here we have Liz Cheney just being shellacked is the best way uh, uh, to put it, um, really being almost tripled up on the vote count there. With Harriet Hagman having 113,000 votes and Liz Cheney only having 49,000 votes. Um, huge, interesting victory there. We'll, we'll dive into some of that here in a second. And then you have the governor's primary uh, where Mark Gordon, the incumbent governor, getting 102,000 and the leading Democrat governor there getting um, Teresa Livingston getting just under 5,000 votes. So this is where things lie there. And so we're really going to have to see what happens in the days ahead as these elections come to a head with the midterm. So things are starting to windle down. Um, now, 
on the front with Liz Cheney. There's some very interesting thing comments that she made afterwards, and this is something of focus, not just Liz Cheney in itself, but of those who you could say have you know orange man bad syndrome, uh, Trump derangement. Trump derangement syndrome. But the reality is, is it's not just Trump derangement syndrome. It's, it's, can they be objective and be leaders who can actually look at the facts? Number one, have the fear of the Lord, but in reality, be objective and look at the facts of the case. Now, in whatever situation it may be. So I want to go through some of the comments she made, because this is, this is quite alarming and is going to be telling in the days ahead. She comes out in her speech, obviously, she conceded her loss because she got just utterly destroyed and goes forward and says these statement, this statement. Uh, she said, tonight, Harriet Hagman has received the most votes in the primary. She won. I called her to concede the race. The primary election is over. But now the real work begins. What does that mean? I'll, I'll get to that. And she then goes on to compare herself to Lincoln and then Civil War General, Union General Ulysses S. Grant. And talking about how he later became began to come on as the 18th president of the United States. And really kind of laying the groundwork for a possible presidential run on the Republican ticket now. At the same time she's saying this, um, you have Adam Kinzinger coming out and saying that Liz Cheney will do everything she can to prevent President Trump from running again and that she'll chase the former president to the gates of hell. Whatever that means, I would imagine most Americans want nothing to do with that. And... The Hill is talking about how – this is a quote from The Hill saying she would do whatever it takes to keep former President Trump from getting near the White House again. The key focus of this is why I want to talk about this is just because she lost, others lost, um, doesn't mean they're going to give up. And obviously it has a lot to do with the January 6th issue and her commitment to the January 6th uh, committee. And the issue for most Republicans is that a lot of her points that she's bringing up are unfounded. When you uh, look at them in an objective manner, they fall flat on their face. And the interesting thing to see here is, is she's going to try to do something and be involved. And this is where a lot of Americans in general and, and Wyomans specifically said, no, enough's enough. Some of them took it with because she went against Trump. And you know, God can use whatever is meant for evil for good. And in this situation, is as a lot of the the stances she's taken haven't been founded upon any fact whatsoever. It's been pure emotion, and this is why it's important for us to keep our emotions in check. Because when the evidence isn't there, you can't stand on sand. It's going to fall flat under you, and it and it's happening right now. And it's happening to pretty much all the ten Republicans who voted um, for Trump's impeachment right before he left office. And and so we just 
we want to be focused and aware about what's going to happen. Okay, she's out, but she her she's talking about her journey in politics isn't over. She's going to continue on. Uh, the real work begins now. So she's going to go after Trump, after DeSantos, after anybody aligned with Trump um, for whatever purpose. And, and really those who – and it's not just about Trump and DeSantos. It's about those who want to allow freedom to reign so that the um, each individual American has the choice to make the best choice for themselves and their family. And, and that's the key thing there um, of staying focused on now. Moving forward, outside of the, the primaries last night, we're seeing now that these social media companies are taking steps to position themselves again to be the moderators of public debate on these social media websites. Recently, Facebook Meta has come out and talked about how they have several policies uh, titled Preventing Election and Voter Interference, Connecting People with Reliable Information, and Transparency Around Elections and Advertising. Now, some of these things seem good as far as not letting um, false information on when to vote, where to vote, etc. Okay, that seems right. But it's, again, connecting people with reliable information. Well, who gets to determine what reliable information is? Now, they're literally coming out, and, and this is the problem with... Um, uh, Section 230, of they're literally coming out and being publishers, which is what they're arguing against when they sit before Congress and Senate um, in debating these issues and trying to keep their tax-exempt status and keep revenues to hopefully, because they're, they're not making a lot of money. Um, this is a problem. Uh, we saw what happened with the 2020 election of not letting truth really information come forward and letting the public themselves decide. And the, they're claiming they're doing this to protect the integrity of election, elections, and they're also funneling money to quote-unquote fact-checkers and media literacy, media literacy initiatives ahead of the midterms, um, giving money to fact-checkers to increase their capacity during the elections and develop media literacy resources to teach people how to identify misinformation themselves. Look, you can quote unquote teach people to identify misinformation, but you have to look at what, what is your objective? What outcome do you want? And we saw that in the past of how they hid some certain information regarding a then a vice president candidate elect or, or, candidate hunter biden's joe biden's son on that whole issue with his laptop they hid that they shut that down that, that, that's that's okay for them to do and then you also have twitter recently coming out and pretty much saying the same thing of they say our approach to the 2022 midterms is to enable healthy civic conversation on twitter while ensuring people have the context they need to make informed decisions <laughs> that's laughable um so we're seeing this play out, and I want to just lay the facts out as they are. This is why we need to pray for voters to have the wisdom uh, and fear the Lord ahead of the midterms. Um, but before we get to that and pray on that, is, is I want to look at the CBO analysis that we mentioned briefly yesterday. I just want to lay this out. 
of remember when we read and yesterday and last week the literal statement from President Joe Biden twice and from the White House that those making under $400,000 will not have a cent, one cent tax increase from this Inflation Reduction Act. Well, CBO put out uh, a response to Senate Finance Ranking member Mike Crapo, Republican of Idaho, who offered an amendment when the bill was being presented to state specifically that. That said, anyone making under 400000 will not have the IRS audit and go after them with this money that we're giving to the IRS. It voted, got voted down. Party lines, all 50 Democrats said no, which would then have made President Biden's claim of not one cent to increase. And it would have gone along with that, not one cent to increase people's taxes who made under 400000 Well, the CBO, who has yet to finish its findings on the analysis of this entire bill, sh has shown that with the $80 billion infusion of new funds to the IRS, that the this is and, and this is the quote of their findings from this amendment not going forward. It says the CBO has not completed a point estimate of this amendment. Basically, they have not done the full analysis, but the preliminary assessment indicates that amendment 5404, which is what uh, Mike Crapo presented, would reduce the non-scorable revenues resulting from the provisions of section. Uh, 10.301 by at least $20 billion over the fiscal year 2022 to 2031 period, meaning that because this amendment was not added to this bill, the revenues that come from this would are $20 billion, meaning that those making under $400,000, the CBO estimates, which it could be a low estimate, could be high, who knows, but it's more than one cent. Increase in taxes on those making less than four hundred thousand, which blows the administration's narrative and the the uh, president's narrative out of the water. Why is that important? You might say is because now, and this is quite alarming. Two things: there are photos that have come out um, that Thomas Massey and other representatives have put out showing the IRS in the recruitment process, training new IRS agents on how to properly handle a service weapon. Okay, that's one problem. Number two is the fact that now it's coming out that the IRS, and this has been verified via communications and email respondents from the IRS, and... Um, a company called Verify This, that the IRS has been spending for several years now around $675,000 on ammunition. For what purpose? The IRS is a tax and audit service, and they're spending money on ammunition and now training new IRS agents and asking IRS agents uh, if they know how to brandish and are willing to brandish a gun. I point this out because we need the fear of the Lord <laughs> and wisdom and revelation to come to our leaders. And as we get closer to the midterms, we need to pray 
for the voters ahead to vote based upon biblical moral values. Because we can sit here and look at these results of these primaries and say, ha-ha, it's, it's finished, it's done, it's over. Not so fast. As we saw in Kansas, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Just because you, quote-unquote, have the numbers on paper doesn't mean you can take that in full faith and just say, oh, it's done. You have to go out and show action and give the duty and do the do the responsibility that we as Americans have that other nations um, are begging for to be able to voice our opinion and vote. And if there are nefarious acts, then let it be found out. Even if Facebook and Twitter are going to do this and shut down uh, public communication on these platforms, which they're still you, – if you want to find the proper information, go to your local officials' websites. Call somebody. Get involved. Be aware. And, and you really shouldn't be trying to find that type of information on Facebook and Twitter anyways as we know they have problems. So we want to continue to pray for this issue. We'll, we're going to continue to hammer this one home um, for the midterms and beyond because as Rick Joyner we, – we read Rick Joyner's email yesterday. We don't want to be the people who have to respond of, oh, I didn't vote. We cannot do that now, not, not only as believers but as Americans. We can't sit there and say we're not engaged, we're not involved. Um, because even, even those who, who may early on in their lives not fully understand the realities of some of the decisions they're making, as they dive deeper into these issues, we, they realize and, and what Rick's pointing to in his Mark Nuttall study with the Barna Institute um, is that Americans – adhere to more of a biblical moral stance than is being realized. And yes, there is some compromise uh, with Americans, and, and it starts with the church. But in reality, is most tend to lean towards what the Lord wants in their lives. And so we want to continue to pray for this. Be aware that these decisions that these leaders are making are, are disastrous and hurting Americans Fiscally, and, and some things that we can do to prevent that is going out and vote. Now, something else to be completely aware of that have been straight decisions from this Biden administration is it's now being reported from um, Wall Street Journal, and this is an article from the Washington Free Beacon, that there's been a record number of migrants arrested at the border this year. So the fiscal year for how they count this is from October to September. Already, since last October, they have arrested upwards of 1.8 million people, beating last year's record year of 1.66 million people. And there's still several months to go before we hit the end of or you know, two months to go before six weeks to go before you hit the end of September. Something to be aware of as we vote um, in these midterms about the sovereignty of our nation and, and adhering to the rule of law as we've seen a lot of candidates now. Is there's, um, there's an article about Stacey Abrams who now wants to fund the police even though she ran an organization that focused on defunding the police, which are everybody's backtracking. They're just showing they want power, which is quite alarming. Then you also have this new 
abortion bill coming forward, being pushed by uh, former vice presidential candidate and current Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine, along with Susan Collins of Maine, Republican, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, in hopes of trying to possibly codify Roe, even though the likes of Elizabeth Warren and other Democrats are saying, yeah, this does nothing to go near this. It's, it's ultimately uh, makes it federally uh, where the rights of the baby is capped at 24 weeks, so abortion would be allowed up until then. And, and if anything, it shows this. It shows that where these certain Republicans really lie on these issues, and the voters in these states, Alaska and Maine in the future, have decisions to make on their representatives of do they want to go forward with this. And they're taking this off of a cups, cusp of the vote in Kansas, as Chuck prophesied, that the Kansas vote would really be the temperature gauge of where the country lies and what possibly could be done on this issue. And so we just want to, number one, and this is a focus of the Biden administration and, and other politicians, repent for the Biden admin's role and any politician who aligns with this, of pushing the, the abortion issue forward and intercede for future leaders and current leaders to gain the fear of the Lord and, and more so for the future leaders to see the response and the fruit and, or lack thereof fruit from these desires for to push child sacrifice and abortion. And hopefully that when they – if current leaders can have a, a, a revival and a change of heart, that they can see the disastrous moves that this is making and, and turn from these wicked ways and turn towards the Lord of supporting life and standing for life for the voiceless uh, as we are currently not seeing. And then last thing, a very, very great story is coming out of Michigan, and it proposes a question for each state. And it deals around the issue of – and the story of – the Michigan School Choice group has basically overcome the hurdle of Governor Whitner's veto of allowing school choice. And so what happened is is the Michigan legislature passed a bill to push for um, school choice for everyone in the state. And allowing parents to choose and going with the mantra that President Trump put out there of no parent should be forced to send their child to a failing government school and allowing them to make the decisions. And statistics show that when parents are allowed to be involved and, and more so forced to be involved, that the kids get a better education because they – the parents, by being involved, um, don't allow – the LGBTQ, CRT-type education to go forward. They focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic and getting their children into the school and keeping them involved. So I digress from that. So what happened is, is they voted on – the legislature voted on this, went to the governor's desk. She vetoed it, went back, and what in Michigan, there is a petition process that allows the representatives, i.e. a convention of states type of process – 
for if enough people get involved and sign a vote and say they want this, then it goes back. It allows the legislature to bring this back up. And through this process, if the legislature brings it back up, passes it, the governor can't ve- is not allowed to veto it. Now, the question is, this is great for Michigan if this is if this goes forward and the fact that they've figured this out via their state constitution. The question is, is does what is the process in other states? We have Arizona, who their governor is currently pushing for school choice. You have, I believe it's upwards of um, 21 states and Washington, D.C. that offer some form of school choice program. I know Louisiana. I know North Carolina does. Um, Florida does as well. And not only that, but it also economically shows that uh, it's better for the budgets of state and local municipalities if parents actually have a choice because the cost to send a kid and and give basically the parents a scholarship for their children it is actually less than sending them to a public school the cost tends to be like 15 or 20 percent higher uh, due to the administration fees and everything like that um, involved with local school boards and, and et cetera and stuff like that Plus, they get a better education. Um, Thomas Sowell wrote a book about that, Charter Schools and Their Enemies, in, in showing that. And so we just want to continue to pray for an intercede for parents to have, as the school year is beginning, continue to pray on this and stay focused on this, that they have the strength to watch over and raise up their children um, in the way that the Lord would have them, or raise up a child in the way that he should go, and he will not depart from it as this new school year starts. And praying for teachers to focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic. And this idea that the constituency of each state has the authority to really overcome totalitarianism at the state level is quite interesting. And something we'll be looking at more as... The idea of the Convention of States has been brought up by a host of um, conservative and libertarian um, thought leaders. Of that's at the, the the federal level, but what about the state level? As this is this is kind of falls in line with that, and it, and it's really an idea that I don't think most people have thought about. As this idea in Michigan is really popping the brain bubble on that, and so something we'll pay attention to in the days ahead. Um, but let's continue to to pray for these issues, uh, uh, that voters <laughs> have the fear of the wisdom of the Lord and revelation when they go to vote, um, repenting for the decisions of, of these administration and politicians who are pushing for abortion, and then ultimately for parents to have wisdom in how to raise their children in accordance with the Lord's guidance in the way that in the way children should go that the Lord has written about them before they were even in their mother's womb. So with that, I'll close. Don't forget tonight. Today we have our noon prayer, and then tonight another testimony of revival as we're building upon uh, the idea and, and looking back at how testimonies of revival have come about in our lives and, and changed our perspective on what the Lord has for us in each of our lives. So blessings, and I will be back tomorrow to continue to pray for this nation and the office of the presidents. Blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.